Hey guys, welcome back to the show. You're in for a treat today. I've got a really great guest for you. His name is Ben Allgaier. He has done over 700 real estate transactions, 200 plus flips, 500 plus wholesales. This guy was going to become a brain surgeon. He was going to school to become a brain surgeon. And you're going to hear why he decided to pivot and go down the path of real estate the strategies that he loves in his real estate business, the number one way that he gets deals, and I want you to pay attention to this because nobody's doing this, and he gets most of his leads by utilizing this strategy, and his script is simply amazing. And then you're going to hear how he started buying businesses to support his real estate business. Just a brilliant strategy. And guys, Buying businesses is becoming more and more popular as these baby boomers are getting older and they're retiring. They have businesses that they've built up. They want to sell these businesses and their kids don't want them. It's going to create opportunities for you to purchase businesses. I can't wait for you to meet Ben and learn from him. Let's get right to the episode. Ben, welcome to the show, man. Great to have you on. Looking forward to this. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. And guys, I, I always like to say where I met guests from. And Ben reached out to me on LinkedIn. We had a conversation and we aligned and he's on the show. You guys don't use that platform enough. And it's a great way to meet people and connect. And if you're in the podcasting space, it's a great way to, to get on shows and meet people. So Ben, thanks for doing that. And you had a particular uh, story that you wanted to share about because you're, you're in real estate, you got your yep. buying businesses as well. We're going to talk about that, but you were on a different path before that. So talk about what you were doing or what you were going to do before you ended up to where you're at right now, please. For for sure, yeah. So when I when I was a kid, I had this idea that I was going to be a doctor. I don't even know where it came from, but I I went down the path of I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a doctor from eight years old. Went all through school in high school. I even took courses at the local university after I was done with school and after I was done with sports, I would go to the university, local community college and take classes there. I had this tunnel vision of being a doctor, studied for the MCAT, did all the shadowing hours, took the MCAT 17 times. It's a seven and a half hour test. It was a lot. So I spent all of this time deciding that I was going to be a doctor. And then about two weeks before I graduated undergrad, I read a couple of books and really took a step back and looked at my life and said, is this, is this what I want to do? Like my eight-year-old self told me that this is what I wanted to do, but is this really the path that I want to go down? And realized that I didn't want to be 35 when I started my life. There were other ways to make impacts on people's lives. And I was going to be half a million dollars in debt to get to where I wanted to be because I wanted to be a neurosurgeon. And that was going to take a lot of time. So I took this step back and started looking at some other avenues and ultimately decided that that really wasn't where I wanted to go. Hopped into corporate for a little bit and then ran with real estate. So that's how we got to here. Okay. So you're still helping people now, but how did you land on real estate? Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So that was, that was a lot of, of just studying and learning and, and doing everything that I could to figure out what my next step was. So I moved away from home, took a corporate sales job. And then every day after about after about a week in the sales job, I knew that this is not what I wanted to do with my life. So every day after I would get done talking to clients, I would go to a local coffee shop and just spend from the time that I was done with work until they closed at like midnight. I would just sit online and study and learn. And I don't even know what I was looking at. It was 
a litany of things from YouTube videos to a platform called Mind Valley. I was just learning as much as I could because I knew that I was good at sales and I tried to figure out a way to kind of mold that into something, something more. And my, my mom was an entrepreneur, so I knew that I wanted to get into that entrepreneurial space. And then I think I just typed into Google one day, what businesses made the most millionaires in the United States? And it was real estate. Yep. So went down a deep dive into real estate, screwed up early, and then just kept with it, stuck with it. And now we buy a bunch of deals. Now we buy businesses and do all kinds of different things. Awesome. Okay. I'm just going to pick that apart just a little bit there. Yeah, go ahead. So you were in education mode. How long were you in that mode of learning before you actually did your first deal? So I paid a lot of stupid tax in the beginning. I bought some courses. I, I hired some mentors that turned out to not be who they said they were. I, I spent probably $40,000 on education and it just went down the drain. These classes weren't what I thought they were going to be. And it was about six months of study and learning before I decided to, that I was going to go down the real estate path. And then another six months of spending stupid money on, on things that I thought was going to help me. And then I found a really good mentor that kind of showed me the ropes and got me in front of my first seller. I ultimately lost $50,000 because I didn't take photos of a house. And when I went to go back and, and get the photos, the guy goes, you're a rookie, aren't you? And I go, yeah, man, I'll be honest with you. You're the first person I've ever talked to that's, that's wanting to sell their house. So I had a $50,000 assignment fee ready to roll, lost money on that. And then went back and, and worked for a real estate company back in my hometown learned from a guy that was doing a lot of real estate. He was very successful. And then eventually I raced out on my own. So it sounds like you lost some money, you made some mistakes yeah. and yeah. that didn't, that didn't stop you. That might paralyze most people permanently, sure. keep them stuck in the nine to five. What was your, yeah. or, or go back to like, what was your mentality when you had, okay, the $40,000, okay. You, you pretty much said you threw that down the drain. Yeah. And then the $50,000 loss, like what's your, what's your mentality like when those two major events happen to you and you, and you're able to push forward? Man, I just had this drive of, I don't want to be a corporate salesperson for my life. It, it was literally two weeks into this role. And I'm like, I went from, I'm going to be a physician to now I'm going to sell medical to a bunch of doctors. Like that just didn't align. And I knew that like I'd, I'd watch my dad. My dad still is in corporate America. He still lives the corporate lives. And I, I saw the struggles that he went through and it was always for somebody else. And I knew early on that I wasn't going to fall into that mold because I saw that the life that my dad lived. He didn't live a bad life. He just never had freedom to do whatever he wanted to do. And I saw the life that my, that my mom was living where she made her own hours and she owned her own business and she got to do all these cool things. But they could never really align because they, they couldn't do things together the way that they wanted to. And I just knew that if I quit, I was going to go sit in this position at this corporate sales job for the rest of my life. And I, I, I figured, you know what, may have cost me essentially $90,000, but I got to keep going. I'm not giving up now because there's inevitably going to be hardships along the way with whatever you decide to do. Hopefully most people don't lose almost a hundred grand, but I just had to keep pushing through it and, and know that in the back of my mind, that there was a greater purpose for my life than, than just being pigeonholed in the job. I love it. I love it. Similar stories with, I watched my father too, again, flame out a little bit. It's like, Hey, yeah. it's gotta be more of the life to this. So you look at your parents. Sometimes if, if, is that how you want to end up again? Not saying it negatively. It's just, you yeah, saw that, right? For sure. Good. Okay. So talk about then the first deal that went right. 
and then let's build it up to where we are now because you've done a lot of deals. Yeah. So when I went to work for that other company, I was learning the ropes, learning acquisitions, taking my sales skills and building out an acquisitions team for him. This guy was essentially just buying everything from courthouse steps. And there's a timeline there where quit that job and then had a year-long non-compete. And in that year, I went backpack through Europe and then started my own business. And that first deal that we ever bought from like they pushed us to the next level and kicked off our business was we bought a house for $13,000 in just a rundown part of the city. It was, it was a tough one because it was one of my business partner's friends. It was his mom who was living in his house. And like the, the horror story of this deal was she was living there with no power. She was living there with no water and it was infested with German cockroaches. If you don't know what German cockroaches are, those things are so hard to get rid of. Wow. And we were talking to her, it was, it was during the winter when it would get dark at like six, five, five o'clock, four o'clock, whatever it is. And I asked her, I go, what do you do when it gets dark? You don't have power. You don't have anything. There's cockroaches everywhere. She goes, well, I just, I put the blanket over my head and hope that I fall asleep before the cockroaches get under the blanket. Yeah. That really changed my entire mindset on this business of, yeah, you can make a lot of money, but we got to help people. Oh. And, and it brought everything full circle of, I can make a big impact in this business. I can help a lot of people, people just like this. We found her a place to go. We put some cash in her pocket and, and then she was on to something better. And then we were able to get a deal out of it. Love it. You see some crazy stuff in real estate, right? You. When, you're, when you're in it long enough, I'm sure you have yeah. multiple stories like that. Yeah. yeah. So you buy for 13. Was this like, how did you find the deal? It was one of my business partner's buddies came to him and said, Hey man, I know that you've been selling houses for a while. He's a realtor and I was a realtor back then, yeah. but he goes, Hey, can you help me and my mom out? I really don't know what this thing's worth. So we bought it for 13. I think we put 55 into it and then sold it for like 98. So we made a little bit of a profit. It wasn't great, but it kind of showed us what was possible. And then we had a little bit of a marketing budget where we could go and use that money to go market to more sellers. Right. So you flipped that one, right? Yep. What did you, what did, how did you acquire the capital to get the, whatever it is, 68 grand? Am I, am I doing the math correct? Yeah. Yeah. So in the beginning we were just, we had some friends who had some money. We were, my, my business partner and my father were members of a golf course. Yep. One of the guys at the golf course, we were just talking about the deal. He's like, yeah, I mean, I'll fund that. So this dude funds the deal for us. It's, it's really all about relationships, right? Like that's how we found most of our money partners. Like the guy that we use now was a hunting buddy of one of our other friends. And he's like, yeah, man, I, I have a trust fund and I have a lot of capital. So he now funds 90% of our deals. The dude has $10 million liquid and funds all of our deals. Yeah. Okay. Let's maybe stay here for a little bit, Ben, because yeah. this is, and you might agree, this is probably one of the top three blocks. Uh, hey, I can't do real estate deals. I don't have any money. Yeah. And you said it very nonchalantly, like, hey, I, I got all this money, but sometimes it is as simple as that, but you're never going to find money if you don't look. So maybe give us a tip or two on how we can find money for deals and get over that mental block of like, I got, hey, I got to have all this cash flying around to be able to do this. For sure. Well, number one, you have to have a relationship with a person. If you just walk up to somebody and say, hey, man, I got a deal. You want to fund it? Like that, that can work. But building relationships through 
one, the country club that, that my father was a part of. I've, I've gotten money from being a member of a cigar lounge, like just random places around town and talking about what you do, upping the number of repetitions on those conversations, and then coming to them with a plan in place saying, hey, listen, I have all the contractors lined up. I have all their pricing lined out. I, I know I've brought people in to give me bids on this property. This is what it's going to cost. And here's all the comps that support the back end value of the house. And then you have a timeline in place. So once you button up all those small pieces of this is what it's going to cost. This is how long it's going to take. These are the contractors that we're going to use and showing their credibility. You can piggyback off of other people's credibility in the beginning when you're just getting started. Yeah. Good share. Awesome. Do you have an elevator pitch that you like to use when you're talking to people about what you do? Because inevitably that happens, right? Hey, what do you do? Man, I've got, now it's kind of evolved to where we buy businesses. We actually, yeah, we do all kinds of different things now. We build houses. But in the beginning, I have built out this really cool investor proposal. Is it like an investor pitch book? So I put together some, like on the very early flips that, that we had, I put those together and try to just build enough credibility to put this into a very defined booklet that I could just go and hand to people and say, hey, man. This is what I'm doing now. This is the business that I'm in. Here's our track record of success. And and our, we've never had an investor not get paid back. And that's one of the things is, is building that report. Being able to say something like that, yeah. we've lost money on deals. We've lost a lot of money on some deals, but our investors always get paid back. Yeah. That's that's gold right there if you're if you're making everybody whole. Okay. I like it. How many flips have you done? Oh God, I don't even know. What does my Instagram say? <laughs> a, a lot, a couple hundred flips. Yeah, we've in four years we've done we've done an astronomical amount, and we started like our first year. I think we did twenty seven flips. So wow. we just hit we hit the ground running and went fast. And now we're we're kind of taking taking the foot off the gas on on flips now and moving more towards a wholesaling wholesaling type of a model. More because we have the deals. Like when you control the deal, when you know you have the deal flow, you have a million different exit strategies. But in the beginning, we had to buy directly from wholesalers. We had to buy deals that were marginal and, and we made a little bit of money on them, but we were just building that war chest to go and market to these people. Got it. So now you're, you've are you you've moved to the wholesaling strategy. Talk a little bit about what that is. Not everybody is fully aware and then maybe some insight on like how you're finding how you're finding deals. Yeah. So so wholesaling, that's essentially locking up a property, getting a contract in place, and then it's an A to C transaction. So I'm just the middleman and I find a buyer on the back end. So I go to my network of maybe it's a do-it-yourself mom and pop who can not pay retail pricing because they do a little bit of work themselves. Mm -hmm. So we essentially find the seller. We get a contract with the seller and then we sell the rights to that contract to the back end buyer. So that's wholesaling. Wholesaling is a new strategy that we've been, we've been using a lot of because we deal mainly with foreclosures, but we would close on the property with hard money. So we built those relationships with the hard money people. They give us transactional funding. So we hold it for a week, maybe two. So we close on the sale and then we find a buyer on the back end and we do a little bit of work. Like we clean it out and then we clean up the yard. And then we'll sell it to that back-end buyer. So it's an A to B, B to C transaction, but we don't do a full rehab on it. Got it. In that scenario that you just described, what does the buyer profile look like? Are they living there? Are they going to hold it long-term? 
It really depends on the area of town and, and kind of like the steel of the house. Like if it's a, if it's something that doesn't need a ton of work, yeah, we may just go and put it on the market yeah. and say, Hey, this, this thing's livable. Now you can do some projects while you're, while you're living in it and we find a buyer that way. If the house needs a ton of work and has a bunch of stuff in it, we've found that we're more successful in getting a higher price. If we go and spend five grand cleaning it out and making it like a blank slate for somebody, they can come in and start the project right away. I was just going to ask you, which one do you like better? The wholesaling strategy or wholesaling? Well, I like wholesaling better because it's less capital intensive. Mm-hmm. The whole tailing model is something that we've adopted based on sheer necessity because when we purchase these foreclosure properties, they have a sale date. So we can't sit and mess around, try to wait a long time to get a buyer in there that's going to be able to close that deal before that sale. Yeah. That's why we're doing that strategy now. So that we, we've done it before where we wholesale some of those, but if the buyer doesn't close, then you're, you have an impending sale date and this person could lose everything, right? Yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense. So is that your, is, is foreclosures your strategy to find deals? Foreclosures are our niche. We have a team of door knockers. We have excellent marketing that we use that's tailored specifically towards foreclosure deals. And then, then our basic pitch is we, we show up at the door, we send them a text message. We make a phone call and say, Hey, listen, I saw that your lender scheduled a sale. Hopefully you have it all handled, but if you don't, I'm here as a resource for you. Do you say that they say that at the door at the, when they knock on the door? Okay. They say that at the door. Look, most people are not willing to do that, Ben. I think you know that for sure. Oh, for sure. I I think it's a, I think it's a tremendous strategy. I have never personally knocked on a door. It's a little intimidating. It is. But you know, if you get enough numbers, I, I, I mean, talk about that. I just think you should do stuff that people are not willing to do. And that's where the money's at, man. You'll win. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for okay. sure. So, so go ahead, please. I, no, I'm interested in this. What, what was your question? Sorry. Yeah. Just uh, talk about that strategy of knocking on doors, how, how effective that is. I mean, again, it could be very intimidating for someone yeah. brand new. You just came up with a script that was pretty disarming, I think, because, mm-hmm. uh, hey, who's knocking at my door? That's not, it's not for the faint of heart to do that. Yeah. So I did all this in the beginning, like before I built on a team, I was the one knocking doors and I knocked doors for a long time. We bought 50 plus houses last year, just from door knocking 50 houses. It's insane. And, and the way that we do it and the way that we approach it, we don't approach it from, Hey, we're a cash home buyer. You got to get out of your house. Your only option is to sell the the house at foreclosure. Mm -hmm. It's super intimidating when you do it that way, because these people they, they know they're in a tough spot and they're vulnerable and they try to protect themselves at all costs, right? So when we go in with our approach and we say, hey, listen, I get it. You're in a tough spot. We help a lot of people that are in a tough spot. There's a litany of options for you. And, and one of the things that, that we've been super successful with, and this can apply to any realm of this business, is just helping people with value. So when we knock at their door and they say, no, I got it. I got it handled. Okay, that's perfect. We're going to leave you with our foreclosure assistance packet. We built out this massive packet that explains everything to you. And then they look at it and they go, okay, this is a lot of information. Let me call Ben back and see what he can do to help me navigate this. Yeah. And a lot of the times these, these people just have to come to the realization that they're not going to be able to do anything other than sell their house. Sometimes we, we help people get their, get their loan modified and that feels great. 
we help them get their loan modified. We help them stay in their house. But most of the time, they don't have that option. We just have to get them to that point of realization of you're either going to lose everything or you can walk away with some cash in your pocket. And we obviously say it in a much nicer, better scripted way, but that's that's essentially the the pitch that we get them with. Yeah, sure. I like that. I really do because, and and you'll probably, I'm, I would assume you'll agree with this. The industry, the real estate industry, except when you're buying for cash, there's a lot of negativity associated sure. with it, right? It comes at you, right? Like, hey, you're one for of sure. those, you're one of those people, yeah. right? I've talked to a lot of sellers and they say, are you one of those cash buyers? And you have a much different approach when you, we are really trying to help people. Are we trying yeah, to earn yeah. a living? Yeah. Yep. But you're also helping people. I'm sure people are thanking you. Yo, they don't, I mean, if one of our things that, like one of the mottos that we have in our business is if you can get somebody to cry or hug you at the end of the appointment, you have done what you were supposed to do successfully. And it's not crying in a bad way. We're not punching them in the face and saying, hey, cry for me. We're, we're getting them to understand all of the aspects of everything. And then at the end of that conversation, they go, okay, you're actually here to help me. You've given me all of this value. You've done all of these things that you said that you were going to do. And you actually charted a path forward for me when I had no idea what I was going to do. Ben, I like this a lot better than brain surgery for you. You're really good at this. I like this. It would have been awesome at both, but Okay. So let's talk a little bit about, you've, you, we've debunked a couple of myths here. Number one, as these people, they need help, right? You just sometimes you see a little bit of, of, of guidance. Door knocking is not yep. as intimidating as it, as it needs to be. I'm sure that you have to be careful, right? And make sure. For sure. Yeah. What are some other blocks or obstacles that you see with brand new real estate investors who want to do this, right? Yeah. That we haven't discussed and, and maybe how do we overcome those? So one of the big ones that I see a lot is this idea of competition. A lot of people that get into this business, they think it's highly competitive. I can't collaborate with anybody. I have to keep everything close to the chest because if I give that away, I'm going to lose deals and I'm going to lose my money. That's completely the opposite and backwards way of thinking about this business. You have to have people that you can go to to ask questions, that you can go to for guidance, that you can bounce ideas off of. And if you find that right through, they're going to be nothing but a resource for you to help get you to that next level. So going to as many meetups as possible, having as many conversations with people about real estate as possible, just upping those repetitions. Like I said before, it's not competitive. Like there's so many deals out there. I can't buy every deal in Kansas City. You can't buy every deal in your market. You have to be able to just have the mindset of let's go help as many people as possible. We're going to make money along the way, but Let's collaborate. Let's figure out how to do this together or where we can help as many people as we can. Yeah, that's great. Scarcity mindset. I'm so glad you brought that up. You getting yours does not take away from anybody else. Exactly. Getting theirs. And there's, last time I checked, there's something like 80 million single family houses in the United States. For sure. There's enough to go around. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. Let's pivot a little bit because you're buying businesses. Yeah. This is becoming more and more popular. It is. I'm seeing a lot more of it. And I, you know, I, I'm going to let you talk on it, but I think it's mainly because the baby boomers uh, had that have businesses are retiring and their kids don't want the business or they don't have yep. kids. Right. Yep. So let's, let's chat about that and, and talk about what you're doing. The first thing about buying businesses is you have to have a defined avatar of the type of business that you want to buy. If you just say, Hey, I want to buy a business that doesn't give you any information. 
you have to know the profit that you want on the business. You have to know the EBITDA, to know what the revenues are that you want. And then you have to find a business. It's just like finding a house. It's very similar to finding a house. You're finding distressed sellers. People that, that have, may have taken it to a certain level and their kids, like you said, their kids don't want it, or they don't know how to get over that hurdle to the next level. They're, they're comfortable where they're at and they just want to retire and know that their people are going to be taken care of. Yeah. That's how, that's how we got this first business. And I don't know if you want me to share numbers on. Please, please. Okay. So this first business that, that we acquired was a painting company. The guy is, he's moving out of state, right? And he's going to take care of his in-laws. He was working with another potential buyer and he just didn't think that they had the systems in place. And then he didn't think that they had his best interest at art to take care of the people that he felt were his family. A lot of these baby builders build these businesses and they're in it so long. The people that work with them, yeah. they're, they're like family to them. So, so we came in and showed him, hey man, we're not coming in here to kick everybody out. You have built this company to what it is because of the people that are a part of it. We're not looking to disrupt that. We're looking to add the value that we can add to take it to the next level. So when, when he had all these conversations with us, we built the trust and we got to a point where he, he understood that, or, or he felt that we were the best person to take his legacy and, and continue to run with it. So that's how, we, that's how we acquired that business. And then we just acquired a security company as well. And that business was a little different. The guy who owned that business, his he was really good at the sales. He was really good at like the, the management of like how to implement the security stuff and how to take contractors and put the pieces together. What he didn't like was the financial piece. He didn't like the marketing either. And marketing is my, my strong suit. My business partner is really good at understanding the financials. So it made sense for us to collaborate and, and bring that all in house. And now I mean, we actually got our first check yesterday from the merger of that business, it was a $35,000 check. It felt great to have our first check come in. And then in two weeks, we have a $125,000 check from another job that's coming. Wow. So it's the same thing. You got to build the trust. You have to show people that you actually care and, and not make it about a transaction. This, this business, any business is not transactional. You have, to, you have to have that mindset of appealing to the person. These businesses that you've purchased, the painting company and the security companies, like roundabout timeline, start to finish before you had the first conversation to when you own it. What does that look yeah. like? Yeah. So the security company was much quicker. The painting company, we started marketing and the way that we market, it's literally email marketing. Like we have a VA pull a list of, of companies that we're targeting, like the, the painting company. We just compile a list of all the painting companies in Kansas City. And then we just sent them email drip campaigns to reach out to them. And, and that took about two months to identify specific businesses that would potentially work. Yep. And then we started the conversation and, and really went and dove into the details of the business. And eight months later, now we own a painting company. So it took about eight months from the time that we identified what business we wanted to the time that we closed on the business. The security company was a little different. One of our partners had a connection with the guy and that one went a lot faster. So I'm curious why you landed on painting. It supplements what we do on the real estate side. Got Okay. So, so the flipping operation that we have, our biggest expense, we looked at our biggest expense and it was painting every single time. We have to paint every single freaking house. Yeah. 
I don't think there's been one house that we've gone into and gone, okay, the paint's good. Let's move on. Let's do the floors and the countertops. So we knew that that painting was something that we were spending an astronomical amount of money on. And we identified that as something that that we could go and bring in house. And luckily enough, my business partner, before he got into real estate, owned a painting company for 20 years. So he understood that business. All right. That makes a lot of sense. So you could basically yeah. just, just insert it into your current business without having to hire a bunch of other people. Like you, exactly. you already got it in place. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I, I like that. Yeah. This is becoming more and more common and, and I see it more and more every time I open up my, my social media feed, <laughs> yeah. people are buying businesses. So there, there's a lot coming online. Yep. What, is there any other, are there any other industries that you like? You had security and painting. We want to continue to grow the the pieces of the flipping company. Like our next target is probably going to be some sort of a mechanical company, mm. HVAC, stuff like that, that we can bring in house. Cause that's, that's another huge expense that we're paying for. And yeah. we know the margins on, on mechanical companies and they're large if you manage it right and have the people in place and the systems and the, the operations to be able to maintain that. And then we, we really, really are all in on the security side of things from physical security to cybersecurity to access control, everything like that. There is a lot coming down right now, especially with AI, like security is going to be huge in the next 10 years. And we want to position ourselves to be leaders in the market to solve those problems and, and serve the people that, that need to have these things in place. I like it. Now you teach some of this stuff. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. And then, so comment on that. And then where would someone go listening? Because I know people are going to be super interested in both real estate and buying businesses. Uh, yeah. where, where should we go? So we don't necessarily have a course for the buying businesses, but I'm happy to teach anybody how that goes. Again, there's, there's so many businesses out there. Having the scarcity mindset is so short-sighted. So if you want to learn about the business buying, reach out to me directly on, on Instagram. That's, that's where I spend most of my time on social media. And then for the real estate side of things, we have a very, very robust foreclosure program that we've built out. It's phenomenal. Not just saying that because I built it, but we have given this to, we, we sold it to, to multiple other investors that have maybe a really small business and they want to add another piece to their puzzle. And we've sold it to people that are just getting into the business and wanting to learn like the, the lowest barrier of entry to get them to their first deal. And there's foreclosures everywhere. And we can pull these lists for free. We can market to these people for almost nothing. And then if you go and knock on the door, that doesn't cost you anything. Nope. So we walk people through exactly how to do this and exactly how to get their first deal. And we also have the financing piece in, in place. They find a deal, they bring it to us. If they don't have the financing already, if they're still working on building out their relationships there, can help them with the financing too. Awesome. I love that. All right. We'll leave your Instagram uh, profile in the show notes. Okay. I got a couple more questions for you, Ben, before yeah. we wrap up here. This has been, this has been awesome. So a lot of, a lot of folks listening, they want to get involved in real estate. They've been talking about it probably for so long. They forgot how long it's been. Yep. They don't know what to do first. There's a bunch of different things that you could do. Yeah. What would be the piece of advice that you would give to them? Like, Hey, do this first. The first thing I would say is surround yourself with the conversation. Go to meetups, go to local REI events, reach out to people on, on LinkedIn and Instagram, engage with those pages. There's so much free information on social media now. 
that you can learn a lot of this business just by looking at some people that are actively doing it. I try to put as much value on my social media to teach people how to do this, but I'm doing it at a small scale. There's guys that are doing this on a massive scale where you can learn a lot yeah. from just following along. Yeah, that, that's good advice. You, you don't have to spend 40 grand to, to learn the business. No. Is it, is it no. what, you're, what, you what, what you're saying? Yeah, just get around the right people. It's like the formula is very simple. Just, hey, go find somebody that's doing, that's already done exactly what you want to do. And yep. for lack of a better phrase, emulate it. Copy. There's, yeah. There's so many meetups now. Go to meetup.com, type in real estate. There's going to be a million meetups in your local market talking about it. And Facebook groups too. There's a million Facebook groups that, that are just constantly talking about deals and properties and how to invest. Yeah, seriously. And then you just have to eventually get over the fear of knocking on yeah. the door. But you know, that's, that's not, that's once you do it, then it becomes a habit. Like you could probably just go knock on a door tomorrow if you want to, or today, because you've done it so many yeah. times. All right, Ben, anything I didn't ask you, or I like to ask this at the end of the show, it's like, hit me with something that you really love, like a quote or give us your best stuff. Okay. So there's a, there's a quote that I talk about a lot and it's yeah. gotten me through a lot of tough times, gotten me over the hump a lot there. In the beginning, there were times where I didn't know if I was going to be able to hit overhead, right? Like I didn't know if we were going to be able to, to make it to the next month. And this quote just stuck in my mind and it was... I don't know if I'm going to say it exactly, but along the path to success, you're going to see the skeletons of the people that didn't quite have what it took to get there. So as long as you don't quit, you're going to be successful. Yeah. Yeah. I love that one. You probably said it perfectly. So that's true. You don't, if you don't quit, you're going to win. Yeah. yeah. Just don't quit. Don't quit. You're going to win. And you don't even really have to do it that well, honestly. No. You, know, you, just, no. you just have to not, not do it, right? Not yeah. For sure. Good stuff, Ben. Ben, you're awesome. I really uh, appreciate you sharing your knowledge. This has been uh, insightful. I learned a bunch of stuff. I know the listeners have too. So look forward to having you on maybe maybe again. This has been- Absolutely, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. You bet, man. Everyone make it an excellent day.